Hello and welcome to the 6++ Plus Show, a podcast for your wargaming and 40k needs. Hobby talk, tactics, tournament reports, lore and much more. We have it all. Please welcome your host for the evening, Tom. Hello, hi. Welcome, ladies, gentlemen and Thunderkin to that 6++ Plus Show. I am Tom, your host, the only Votan main in the village. And I am delighted to be back to present another show to you, in which we're going to be talking all about movement shenanigans today. That is the plan. Very exciting. So before we do that, we're going to do Hobby Roundup and Plus Roundup, and I'll introduce you to our various guests tonight. So here, first and foremost, as always, is my dear leader, Chris. How are you doing, Chris? Very well, and I'm especially enjoying the amount of chest you have on display for Thank this you. show, Tom. Thank it you. Is, yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 it's summer. All my low cut stuff comes out. Davy uh, accused me of dressing like Pirates of the Caribbean when we were at the team's event. That. Yeah, yeah that's, uh, that's I get that a lot. Fine, so be it. This is my angle. I'm working it. <laughs> <laughs> and how are you, Chris? Yeah, good. I have been painting a wraith knight. Um, oh, is, uh, da, 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 da. <laughs> you should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> I thought, I'd, thought I'd wait a bit, you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> But no, I managed to get one for because obviously what happened was as soon as they got nerfed, eBay lit up. Oh, did you, genius? Yeah, well played, well played. So, um, Bilo, Bilo, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I got a cheap um, race night and I've just been um, painting him up. So uh, we'll Great. see. Um, I'm going to take him at the weekend. Yeah. Uh, what else I'm taking, I don't know yet. But I'm going <laughs> to take him at the weekend just to see what he's like. Uh, historically, I don't like using. Um, like the big kind of monsters, I much prefer having lots of little units. That's just my play style. So I want to yeah. try it, see how it works. Like, you know, UKTC trains where he would um, be at his strongest in theory. So yes. um, we'll see if he can wield it. But no, I've just finished um, base, or well, just got the base to go on him. And then I've also just started painting some swooping hops. Um, well, quite often I have 75 points left in my lists, and it's either that or a Viper. And um, obviously, as more and more things of the Eldari get nerfed over time, <laughs> it's important to have lots of things as backup. Keep and finding swooping... new bits. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And swooping hawks and those sorts of things will probably be the things that start finding their place in lists in six months' time or whatever. So that's great. Yeah, just been working on them. Amazing. And and in the weekend, as you alluded to, there's a, a couple of us are going to an event. It's a GT at Tabletop Republic in Wickham, one of my favourite venues locally. Um, and Chris, Aaron, and myself are all going. We're all taking horrible stuff. It's Eldari, GSC, and Custodes. We're not. We're not going to make any friends. Talk to me, baby. Uh, <laughs> and we'll probably all play each other and get we what we deserve. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Aaron's obviously trying to basically paint a Custodes army in two weeks. He's halfway there. He's going to make it. We're just chatting, Custodes chatting the various ins and outs. That's it. It's it's not that hard. It's not that hard. But he's, he's, he's made remarkable progress. <laughs> There's a surprising amount of stuff they put in the. Uh, I played against some couple of. Shit, that's more units. You're cutting out, Ed. Your sound seems to be cutting out, Ed. I'll fix it. Thank you very much. No, but you're right. It, they're a bit of a golden horde right now. They are. There's a lot of a lot of bodies. Definitely a lot of bodies. But yeah, we're really excited for that, and we'll. Um, I'm sure we'll let you know how we go on. Um, I am also joined tonight as Ed fixes sound. We'll go to you, Lewis. Lewis, how are you been? Are you suggesting I would be last if Ed had sorted his sound out properly? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> Frankly, I'm offended. That's, that, that's it. Okay. Goodbye. Sounds right. right. came back in time just to hear Lewis right. shitting on me. Well, 
on my notes here, I've got challenge the hierarchy equals bumped down the hierarchy. So I'm going to go and put <laughs> I'm going to put you down here below Davy now. <laughs> okay. There you go, yep. Lewis. That's okay. not a place anyone wants to be. <laughs> oh, outrageous! We love Davy. Anyone None of that. Lucky to we be underneath Davy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Davy uh, and I have been tyrannid scheming. So. Oh, have uh, you? Oh, fantastic! That's good. We're working out ways to make tyrannids work. I think we're going down two very different routes mm-hmm. um, with how we make our tyrannids work. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm having a lot of fun with 10th edition, actually. You um, have? Yeah. Yeah. Been refining the nids list down. Played a few games now, four or five games in, which is exciting. Um, yeah, you write us very lovely and very forensic little reports when you play your games. We get them in the team's chat. That's actually very useful. I kind of wish everyone would do that so I could learn <laughs> lo- lots and lots of stuff off different people. So yeah, it sounds like you have been do having fun. you know what? I think it finds... it. I find it useful to write down what went well and what didn't go well after each game, especially oh, yeah. practice game, mm-hmm. just so I can kind of think, I think out loud about how I refine the list, how I make it as good as it can be within the confines that I set myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I want I want to run a swarm tyrannid list, so that's kind of the level I'm at. I'm not going down the monster mash route, so I've set some restrictions for myself, but I want, as I always try and was to make the best out of a, uh, a piece of narrative or law that I try and build into my armies to make them as uh, as efficient as possible within those confines. So, right. but yeah, no, writing things down I think is really useful. Knowing like, oh, this this kind of this worked and this didn't really work, um, and I will try and play this a little bit more differently. Mm-hmm. Case in point, this weekend played up against the Necrons, including that horrific warrior blob that just does not die, mm-hmm. um, and I played too defensively. So, and unfortunately, once that thing gets an objective, you literally can't shift it off, especially with Tyranids who don't have a huge amount of damage output. Yeah, interesting. However, that Warrior Blob also doesn't do any damage in return. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, had I just jumped on that objective first and just put 60 Gaunts on there, then he yeah. wouldn't have been able to shift me off either, and then I'd have won the, won the game. Because it yeah, literally it's a, came it's down a to space thing rather than a damage yeah. thing, then. Yeah, that's that clever. Oh, exactly. Great. So. Uh, there's a huge amount of tools, movement tools, and we'll come on to that in a minute. The yeah. Tyranids book is full of excellent tricks when it's it comes to It's a deliciously janky little index, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Do you yeah, have a favourite unit? Is there a favourite Tyranids unit from your game? So Hands far? down, it's got to be the Gargoyles. Gargoyles, think, okay. Yeah, nice. 100%. They are so fast. They're so... Uh, they just fulfil so many roles. It's, mm-hmm. it's always close between them and the Gene Steelers. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I think it's got the Gargoyles for the speed and their ability yeah. just to gum stuff up. Yeah, they're super cool. Very annoying. Very annoying to play against. Okay, you don't Ed. need oh, many sorry, gargoyles. No. Oh, sorry, no. I'm, I'm rambling on. I'm <laughs> you don't need many gargoyles to, to block your opponent's deployment zone completely. Um, yeah, which exactly. Well, I played, played a guard player this weekend, and he found that out to his detriment. <laughs> in that I got turn one. It was the quarters deployment, so you're only 18 inches apart. The gargoyles 12 inches up, advance, shoot, move again, and then he can't get out of his deployment zone for two there turns. There we go. That's so, movement shenanigans. That's uh, that's good fodder. That's exactly where we're. That's exactly where we're going. Yeah, exactly. Very, very nice. Ed, how's your sound looking, buddy? Uh, I'm fine. I hope. Can you hear he me? is fine. No, you're absolutely fine. Ed, how are you doing? <laughs> not bad. Not bad. I uh, obviously I'm going to Leeds in a week. Oh, exciting! Yes. Uh, I haven't bought my ticket yet. Uh, I haven't started <laughs> painting any models. Um, I wasn't going to say anything about this. Uh, I think you're <laughs> old enough to know. Um, your tabletop, your competitive tabletop game, and I have decided to open the relationship up, and um, I've started seeing another. I've started seeing a card game. Oh! Um, it started off as an online thing. 
Okay. But we have moved into the physical realm. Uh, okay. I know, I know, you probably don't want to hear this from your dad, but uh, <laughs> uh, yes. So meet your new step card game. Uh, oh. I, I, I I told you. I think I, it was you that I was talking to about it when we got the cards, and I sleeved the cards because I wanted my Leviathan deck to stay yeah. neat. And I was shuffling them. And I was like, hmm. I hope this doesn't awaken anything in me. So anyway, <laughs> now I've got Magic: The Gathering cards that are sleeved. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so the first question is: is what version of it are you playing? Uh, um, I I haven't got that far to be honest. Uh, I've played a bit <laughs> of Arena online. Okay. Um, and my cards have arrived literally today. So. That I'm assuming so that I'll probably start with standard. That seems like the the obvious place. So when you say you bought cards, have you just randomly bought a deck, or have you just bought a? There's um, you can get a starter deck, which has you got two pre pre yeah, pre nice. Because yeah, I I did actually buy some Lord of the Rings ones last week as well. <laughs> yeah, have you have you played before that? I have you? never played. No. I've they're Ooh. just in my room. I've not even. Yeah, I don't even know what they do. I've got a Balrog, which feels like it's probably good, but it's like I don't know. Uh, but it it is it is appealing. It is definitely mm. appealing. So so, but you're not playing Magic at Leeds, I assume. You will be playing 40k. I didn't know they had magic. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's next up to. No, know. no. I'd be playing a Warhammer army that is as of yet. Not built, based, <laughs> painted. Uh, so my life will be hell. Uh, is, yeah. is what I'm saying, and uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be great. Yeah, no, real, nothing real like that. That time. run into an event. I've got that with dwarves for saffron slab. I love that that last push. Yeah, but you've built and painted quite. I a have actually. I've seen I have. Them. I have. They're on their way now. I'm not trying to do the entire thing in a week yeah. or two. But no, that's yeah. that's great. And um, you'll have to teach me how to play Magic the Gathering because I'm in, I too I, am intrigued. I'm I will intrigued. learn. You, if you learn, you can teach me. Yeah, I have Beautiful. thousands of cards. Oh, really? So before I got back into 40k, I was playing Magic quite a lot. So you have to learn Magic. I know Davey used to play it as well. Maybe Aaron? Yeah, several of them do. Yeah, Davey and Aaron both do. There's, how's how's Ted less... going? Well, 75% of the podcast players are learning Magic <laughs> the Gathering. <laughs> Chris, Chris isn't currently active. But... Oh, dear. Very good. Very, yeah. very good. Right, we've got some welcomes to do in the chat. Um, we've got, who's in? We've got Gelmaris. So a little shout out because Jack, who is Gelmaris, um, and I went to an RTT in Peterborough this weekend and Jack took first place with Tau, which is a remarkable achievement. He did great, smashed up three opponents very handsomely. Um, and then uh, beat them. And then, yes, and then beat them as well. Yeah, it's, it's, I, At some point we'll have to talk to you about his unorthodox methods of using physical <laughs> violence pre-game. Um, but it, it's working, you know. It's working, and town needs whatever the help they can get. And if that's if that's a, a brick in a sock, so be it. That's fine. Um, he's no, single-handedly boosting their win rate. He is. Um, he is. So I, think, I, I low key, I low key think tower a little bit better than than some allow them to 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 be sort of perceived as at the moment. But um, and Jack is ably demonstrating that, and I'm excited to see if he can lead some tower players back to the light. Uh, but I think they're yeah, just he... different from ninth edition, aren't they? I think they um, are. Ed was saying just before the call that their just play style has changed, doesn't it? Yeah. So I think if you're trying to play them in the ninth edition style, you probably aren't going to do very well because I no, just don't, I don't think they've got the movement. That I, I definitely didn't play the sort of main style. I liked my combat towel, which mm. is... Um, <laughs> and no one believed me when I said I'd charge them, and then I always <laughs> charge them. So, um, yeah, it definitely wasn't the, the, the most common way to go. But yes. Yeah. Anyway, yes, well done, well done to Jack. We're very chuffed, and he's he's on a real run with the tower. So we'll see if he he's got another GT. I think this weekend, so we'll see if he can carry that on. Um, welcome to to Existence UK, Sam Annan. Scrivo is here, chatting nonsense, filling the entire <laughs> chat. <laughs> uh, 
Existence UK says we're all here for the banter. Well, okay, <laughs> we'd better we'd best deliver. Scuro says welcome to the crayon eaters, Lewis. Because he said he I'm was, assuming um, that's a reference to Tyranids. I think <laughs> I think it's because you were talking to Davy, and I think he's being very rude. <laughs> <laughs> no, because uh, that's what he was talking about. It not that I think Davy's a crayon eater. Davy, just... Davy's smart enough to eat full sharpies. You know, <laughs> man is not here to defend himself. <laughs> that's why I'm doing it for him. <laughs> oh dear. Um, Jack is also here saying Commander's so much fun and that there are Warhammer 40k cards. In my... I know there are, Jack, but I went with Lord of the Rings. I can't do both. We'll look at 40k at some stage. Um, yeah, brilliant. And, and Gail Morris is trying to cover up the fact that Tau are, at least to some extent, able to play 40k. He, he, wants, he wants that all to himself. He doesn't want to share. Um, wonderful. Okay. So. Do I have to get in the sea? Which also, also get in the sea. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand, but. Uh... You're a fish man. <laughs> oh dear. Oh dear. Right. Okay. So, in the interest of moving things along, we're going to move to the police roundup because we are very, very good at self promotion. Possibly the best. Uh, Chris, what's new with us in the world of self promotion? Well, we have been continuing our index in depth. Mm-hmm. So, we have, since we last spoke, which was the 18th, we've had um, Chaos Knights. Mm-hmm. So Ed's um, shared his wonderful musings on the Chaos Knights and all things you need to know. Um, Jack has released the first Tal Index in depth. Yes, he has. Um, and uh, he's also sent me the second one, so that'll be coming out tomorrow. Amazing. It's fair to say Jack has demonstrated that he's someone you should probably listen to when it comes to Tal, because he knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, Today I put out a tips and tricks video on yes. three killer combos of the Ooh. Eldari. Oh yes. Um, so I took through three. Is it just bring Eldari? Bring Eldari. <laughs> well, that's only one of them. Um, <laughs> no one's making you play a bad army. Don't be bitter. <laughs> um, but no, uh, so I talk about three things which um, I, I kind of I've discovered. Like not everyone knows. So um, I kind of thought it'd be a good idea to put them out there. So if you're an Aldari player, check them out. And if you're not an Aldari player, then still check them out because you might learn what sort of sneaky tricks they're trying to do whilst also blowing you off the table very, very at nice. the same time. Um, and then in terms of future content, well, I'm booked in to play with Alex Chancellor next. Oh, Thursday. fantastic. Great. Um, and we're going to film a battle report. Oh, amazing. So, um, Eldar versus Deathwatch, because obviously this league that we're all, in theory, doing is still going ahead. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, that's our league game from like oh, great. three weeks ago. So we're going to film it. Um, Excellent. And he hasn't got like the top tier um, Deathwatch list, so I'm going to probably take a bit of um, everything. But at the same time, I'm also going to Leeds, and I might want to practice my Leeds list. So... <laughs> Either I'm going to play something really random and just a scattering of different Eldar lists, or I'm going to try and smash Alex's face in. <laughs> preparation of these. Um, apologies in advance, Alex, if that's the way we go. But yeah. um, either way, we're looking obviously to start doing more battle reports now. Yeah. Um, now that we've started to get our head around 10th edition. So Completely. have a look out for that. Yeah, bat reps and that that tips and tricks series. The way the way that Chris has done this latest video is really cool. And I think yeah, we are approaching that point with a few of our armies where like we understand what's going on and we can be like, right, here's what it looks like. Here are the things you can actually do. So I think we'll look to replicate that for some of the armies we've covered in the index in depth and get some more sort of finesse dimensions out there um, and keep that kind of content moving for you. Um, on the content side of things, I'm going to be doing index in depth for Votan 
very soon because I've been playing a lot of Votan. I'm a Votan main. Votan main. Votan main. Hashtag Votan main. And the 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 announcement I have for that is that I've been plotting and scheming with some other Votan players, the one and only Jake Harding of Vanguard Tactics and James Marsden of Toys of Mass Destruction. And we are going to do a Votan-specific podcast episode quite soon called Rock and Stone that will probably be next week. Episode one will be called The Only Way Is Up because that is true. Nice. Um, and we will follow this messed up little half-finished army as it makes its way back into the light, hopefully, over the next few months. Um, and we'll see We'll see how it gets on. But we've all been um, chatting away and trying to work out what you can do with an army that's in the current state that Votan is, which isn't a particularly powerful state. Um, and we've been pleasantly surprised with the different things that we've been coming up with. And, and James and Jake are both great players. And hopefully that will be a bit of fun, more light-hearted commentary um for for votan fans as they as they sort of struggle about in the doldrums <laughs> well, it's not going to be competitive <laughs> no it's not it's not it absolutely isn't but it'll, it'll all help me get ready include in for votan as i take them to saffron slam in a few weeks time um so that's going to be really fun great ready ready for your five and hour at saffron oh slam. absolutely there's no way that that will happen but i would i, I do welcome i hope i get that ravine one because it would just be funny watching a land fortress going down that ravine just like, <laughs> as long as i don't have to do anything that involves getting out i'm fine <laughs> um, so yeah you can look you can look forward to that and um, i know the other a couple of the others are sat on on more content as well so yeah lots in the pipeline having a lot of fun making 10th content for you all at this moment in time brilliant okay so the main event today is movement movement shenanigans there's a lot of movement shenanigans in 10th edition 40k it is one of these aos type dimensions that's been imported in with a lot of reactive movement a lot of bait and switch a lot of interesting little tricks um it's always been part of the game but i think it's something they've clearly pushed a lot both in terms of unit abilities and army abilities stratums etc um and a lot of 10th games have mini games around movement within them now so it's something that we thought we'd focus in on today talk about talk about some of the key tricks that there are some of the things you need to be aware of and then how you can use them what kind of advantages you can eke out by using movement shenanigans um, but also how you can counter them you know how do you how do you deal with someone who's pulling movement bullshit on you what can, how can you turn that into something that you can manage or seek advantage of your own out from okay so first up we're going to talk about the different types of movement that can currently be identified. And we're not talking about moving straightforwardly in the movement phase because we all know how that works, or do we? I hope we do. I think we do. <laughs> um, but there are other kinds now in the game. So I guess I'm going to invite our, our various uh, panellists here to sort of comment on some of the different kinds of additional movement shenanigans they've encountered in their early games of 10th. Maybe if we start with you, Lewis. Yes, one of my uh, one of my favourite types is the reactive movement, uh, which is something that termagants can do. I'm mm -hmm. sure there are many units that can also do it, but basically anyone that moves anywhere near a termagant, it runs away, yes. or runs towards you, gets in your way, whatever it <laughs> yeah. needs to do, Beautiful. hides, so mm -hmm. goes from being visible to being invisible, mm -hmm. um, and uh, basically as soon as anyone comes near it, it gets to move, so reactive movement. Yeah, reactive movement is really good and really powerful. These tend to have triggers. So usually if you come within nine, I think, is, is yep. the most the most That's common. Fun. Come within nine a unit. And I know rangers have this as well. Um, I know that there's a stratagem for Space Marine squad tactics that allows you to do this. Um, termagants, as you say, there's a custodies enhancement that lets a fat old 10 brick of custodies do this. You come within nine and it just moves six, which is <laughs> not what you want a 10 brick of custodies to be doing. <laughs> 
Um, so a whole bunch of reactive movement with, with, with triggers, right? The key thing here is that there's usually a trigger of some kind that if you come within nine of it, it's going to do this. Uh, Chris, have you got another type of movement for jank for us? Well, you've got those units which can kind of be um, picked up um, Very good. in the um, so at end of movement phase and that yep. sort of thing. In that. Mm -hmm. So I guess you've got a whole area there where you're in charge of the control. So yeah. is, obviously the enemy has to do something to trigger it. But in this case, so for example, swooping hawks, um, yes. at the end of your opponent's <laughs> turn, you can pick them up and put them in strategic reserve. Grey Knights, that's like literally their thing mm -hmm. um, with three units at the end of your opponent's turn. Um, and then obviously there's a whole host of stratagems as well. Um, so yeah, you've kind of got that area where you're getting to make that decision completely phase as a player. Yeah, so sort of end of turn relocation. Um, obviously GSC do this with Return to Shadows. Um, Hernkin Pioneers do this for Votan. The bikes can just pop off the corner. You'll all have seen this in all your many games against Votan. The yeah. bikers can just go off the board edge and come on a different board edge somewhere else. Um, the Death Watch have this with Teleportarium, and that's a that's a powerful little that's a powerful little trick they've got um, where they can boop some stuff away and it can appear somewhere else. It's very very nice. Um, so these kinds of end of turn relocation tricks extremely good. Um, and definitely something you need to be aware of because they can give you a whole bunch of options, obviously, in terms of switching play, moving somewhere else, pushing the pushing the aggression unexpectedly, etc. Um, Ed, have you doing got any others? Oh, doing sorry. that with a big Imperial Knight is uh, is fun game to give a mysterious card. Ah, yes, the mysterious you thought the Valiant was there. <laughs> no, it's not anymore. It's behind you. <laughs> I played against a guy who had mysterious Guardian at the weekend. Didn't even try to relocate it at any point. Not... I was really disappointed. Just Played went to... GSC. Yeah, I know. That means you cover the entire board. I know. <laughs> you didn't leave him a nine-inch bubble. No, that is true. To be fair, it, did, it wasn't the matchup for for that kind of relocation. But still, yeah, that's a very powerful tool. And yeah, a knight having that is deeply unexpected and unusual. Ed, do you have any other kinds of movement, Jank, for us, sir? Um, just just sort of to add on to breach the gap between moving when someone gets close and relocating at the end of the turn. Um, the one that Grey Knights have is that if you move within nine inches of them, they can move or they can just fuck off into Deep Strike. Oh, wow. <laughs> Very cool. That's extremely cool. Yeah. And if they had any damage in their book, they would be terrified. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. that's really like you got to really think and play about around that one. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, yeah no, that, that's an extremely powerful one to have. Um, and I think, I guess the other one. Um, that, that's big in the game at the moment is 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 the stratum phantasm obviously which is which is in some ways reactive but isn't triggered right it's not it, it sits in quite an unusual place as much as the opponent can't do anything to stop this from happening it's just going to happen at the end of the movement phase i haven't checked to see if there are really fair. it was super cool yeah really really fair but i haven't checked to see if there's others like this i think it might be unique i don't know that there's anything of course that, there's that, <laughs> of course there's not anything so that <laughs> one one cp strat <laughs> <laughs> that oh. one that one is certainly worth a nod to because it's relevant it's very relevant yeah. in your lives right now you're going to see this i think it's uh, just hands down the best strat in the game isn't it yeah absolutely yeah. There's, there's even at three cp that's a good yeah. strat because it, it just it just it just breaks a lot <laughs> hold of on the rules. Now, hold on let's, let's not say <laughs> things that we need can't any other back. cp <laughs> uh, it's super good because how you you want you spend your three cp on two cp to fire and fade and then one cp to phantasm 
Uh, yeah. That is a joke. You probably don't ever use Fire and Fate, <laughs> <laughs> apart from maybe a yeah. great to score points. But Fire, Fire and Fate is worth throwing if in here as another, another movement thing. Uh, video, oh. you'll see when you might want to use Fire and Fate. Ooh, ooh. There you go. I was going to say, don't watch it. It's this, and then I thought, no, that's really bad cross promotion. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Fire don't Fate. watch it. It's redacted. Fire Fate <laughs> definitely, definitely in there for the tools that also, yeah, you know, shoot, move again. There's, there's some stuff you can pull with that, and I think maybe if we're lucky, Chris will give us a tip bit or two from mm. that. Um, don't, he doesn't want to keep ruin his whole video, but uh, you know, there's definitely some stuff you can pull with Fire and Fade, especially in the current rule set as it has been worded and written. Just, just I guess while we're talking about Eldar, let's say I had a unit of Shadow Spectres that yeah. have Deep Strike, and I brought them in. Yeah. Um, and I brought them in somewhere that was, you know, outside of nine inches of my opponent. How yeah. far could I move those, Chris? Before <laughs> before my next command phase, when I'm going to score objectives, how far well, could I move that when unit? When we played ninth edition, what would happen is you'd drop down and you weren't allowed to do anything. Oh, yeah. you could do was shoot. Not at all. Yeah. Which was fair and balanced. And it was. How it should I be. think it was yeah. balanced too. Yeah. Um, but these days, for some reason, there's two choices. Either Games Workshop have gone, I think this is a good idea. Mm. Or more likely, <laughs> Games Workshop forgot. You can yeah. currently deep strike down and then fire and fade, which yeah. is make a normal move. And That's... if you have another ability, so for example, Shadow Spectres have this ability that when they shoot, they can then move six inches. You can combine that with fire and fate. You can do yeah. both things. Mm -hmm. Seems completely fair and balanced to me. Scourge that, can also do this. Yeah, yeah, that sounds really strong. But what if I had three CP over the course of my turn and then my opponent's turn? Um, is there anything else that I could do? <laughs> what, you mean like a phantasm kind of thing? Oh, okay. So, so <laughs> how far, if we put that all together, how far would that be? Well, you're dropping down. Then you're gonna... It's 25 inches. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> it's, it's 25 inches. Well, that's not very much compared to the humble warp spider, no. though. Yeah. <laughs> well, yes, but keep in mind, I'm doing that before I get to my movement phase. <laughs> okay. So, you can't do your yeah. uh, normal move shenanigans now, can you? No. <laughs> powerful. So, maybe very take powerful. a wound on a one. <laughs> oh, no. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so as you can see a lot of things you can pull a lot of interesting things what i mean the funniest one for me is squad tactics because marines in my lifetime haven't ever had something like this where it's sort of like oh we've run away so it's, it's, it's a very elfy thing for them to have got but it's it's opened up some interesting play for marines i think obviously um some of the other ca candidates you know, prowling adjutant on gsc ranges you can hear you can hear already that these are things that some of the stronger armies in the game have you know, these are tools that um, are definitely helping certain armies to dominate at the moment. So I think it's important to understand them, understand how you can use them, and also understand how you can how you can counter them. Sean Capewell says, missed most of this. Don't worry, Sean, this will be a YouTube video before you know it, and you can catch the beginning there. Through the power of the internet. You Through the power of the internet. Rewind and watch the things that we said. Yeah, it'll all still be there, which is great. So, movement shenanigans and how to use them is what we're doing next. We've identified some types. We've got our reactive movement. We've got our non-activated movement, just Phantasm all on its own, but also Fire and Fade. And we've got end of turn relocation. So we've got a bunch of tricks. So let's think about some of the ways that you as a 10th player might exploit these in your games to your advantage. Perhaps if you want to start us off, Chris. 
So I'd be thinking in kind of one or two ways really at the moment, either using them to utilize um, positioning to try and blow away your opponent mm -hmm. um, or um, scoring your points. Yeah. I think, um, so like for me, um, obviously Elder are very good at blowing your opponents away, but I'm still from a, like a Harlequin, late Harlequin point of view where I just want to try and do the bare minimum, but score all my points and just be a pain, the move blocking and stuff. Mm -hmm. So when I'm kind of using these movement shenanigans, I'm trying to use them to either prepare myself for next turn um, or um, score them now. So for example, those sorts of things, you're going to be in a really good position to be able to score a lot of your cards, your mm -hmm. uh, old objective ones, your behind enemy lines ones, and those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. um, you've got your shadows, this whole thing we're talking about where you can deep strike down and fire and fade and all those sorts of things. Well, that's going to help you to go nine inches away. Maybe your opponent's done, a, and this is the important thing, right? Your opponent has screened you out yeah. and you've gone, okay, well, I have to land here. Oh, and now I'm actually going to go this huge distance. Exactly that. Um, and it just beats screens. Um, I think as we get better and better at playing the game, and I know at this event I'm going to be trying to track the cards that I've got and what ones I've got left. So I might well be thinking, well, I still haven't got behind enemy lines and we're coming yeah. towards the end of the game. Right, I can now pick my swooping hawks up because actually there's every possibility that they'll want to be deep striking down next turn. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, that's how I would be looking to try and use, especially like the the relocate. Yeah, um, there's other things I could say, but you guys want to talk, so you guys. Yeah, no, but I think I think that general theme of secondary scoring is is massive because <laughs> yeah. we're we're in that stage, aren't we? Where we're learning that these cards that we keep drawing each turn often suddenly go. I'd like you to be over here now and and do this thing for me, please. And so all of these tools can help you get there, one way or the other. Um, like, I mean, for me, the, you know, the, the, the end of turn relocation is enormous for secondary scoring, right? With GSC, you're almost permanently recycling a couple of yes. units back up in the sky. And it could be, a, I'm going to shoot you. It could easily, it could equally be, I now need to drop in this corner and investigate signals, or I need to drop in here for behind enemy lines. You, but you just always need to have um, that, that recycling of units in order to be able to drop down and score things because they don't make much ground up on the ground. That's not really what they do. So there's a massive use in that for keeping your secondary scoring ticking over. You got anything else to add to that, Lewis? Yeah, I think Chris makes a really, uh, really good point uh, earlier in what you were saying about. Um, he's nodding. Yes, of course. You make a very good point. <laughs> That's why he's the I'm captain. Contractually obliged to say that. Uh, <laughs> I agree with. But this Chris. time, you actually did make a good point in that. I think it's really important that you are playing around with these, <laughs> with these movement shenanigans, that you are planning ahead. Yes. Um, I think. You can have all the movement you want, but if you don't use it effectively and you don't use it in a way that is beneficial to you, I think you can very quickly find yourself even further out of position yeah. than you might otherwise have been. Just yeah. because you can move 36 inches doesn't mean you should, and it doesn't mean it should yes. be used to go as, as, as far forward as possible, as quickly as possible. <laughs> that, might be, that might be the appropriate thing to do in certain situations, Locking but a lot of situations... <laughs> I'll do what I want. Yeah, I'm, I'm yet to see an Eldar player not do it, so... <laughs> well, basically... I'm coming at this from the perspective of someone whose models can't kill anything, <laughs> and 
and whose models die immediately when someone shoots them back. Oh, it do they? It's very important how you do use that positioning. Mm -hmm. um, and you've got to have a set goal in mind. What is that unit supposed to achieve? Is it, yeah. as you say, is it to score a point? Is it to go and kill something? Is it to stay alive next turn? Is it to get in the way? Uh, mm -hmm. In case we talked about it already, gargoyles and, and move blocking, things like that. Big models can very easily take up a lot of room. But when doing that, they're going to get themselves killed. So you need yeah. to think, is what's the bonus to me here? If I'm, say, for example, going to use the Gargoyles to to block my opponent's Lehman Russes from moving out of his deployment zone, what is that going to achieve? Because I know mm. I'm going to lose the unit, so it's going to die. Mm. Is that going to further my further my scoring or prevent my opponent scoring? Yeah. Um, so there are lots of different things you can do with that movement, but it is really important that they're doing it for a reason. They're not just doing it for the sake of it. Yeah, and so with, with a general board control plan, which it sounds like that's that's where NIDs are using this perhaps a little bit differently, right? Whereas Eldar are using it to sneak into spaces, NIDs are using it yeah. to deny space, sh completely yeah. shut shut that space down and say, actually, you can't come out. And into armies who walk on foot like idiots, um, that's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's really horrible and really rough. Davey was lining up to do that against my poor Votan last week, and he was all ready to go, but then he went second. He's like, oh, you're not going to do it now. <laughs> he was, he was, but I could see my future. I rolled a two as well for going first, and then he rolled a one. <laughs> And I was just like, I just saw it before my eyes. Like, I'm not getting out of my deployment zone. I'm staying in here with my stunties all game. And then, alas, that future didn't come to pass in the end for the Tyranids. Um, well, <laughs> alas. I mean, that's, that's, that's a really interesting point because you, you take the Votan who don't have access to many of those movements. Oh, they don't. You, you've, got to, you've got to be aware of what your opponent could, in theory, do to you. You've got you to know those do. threat ranges. And threat ranges are not necessarily how far can you shoot or how far can you charge. Completely. How far you can move is a really important determinant yes. of your threat range um, yeah no exactly so that. if you just get trapped in your deployment zone you don't score any primary for the whole game you lose by default yeah exactly and, and, and to that end i had started the entire army pretty much on the board because I like, i'm there's every chance i have to shoot my way out of this and that's how the game yeah. goes right i can't be like oh deep strike here deep strike there it's like no this if i go second this game is me hacking and slashing until i actually get to the midpoint. <laughs> so you need every gun you can possibly apply in order to deal with that and yeah votan are interesting on the movement front because they're slower I don't play slow armies all that often, and it's definitely interesting having to think think ahead in terms of yeah, we're pushing, we're going to get to these places, that's where we're going to stay, and we'll we'll, we'll make it work. Um, another one I wanted to to talk about was sort of bait and switching because I think that's that's very relevant here with some of these movement tricks, right? I think setting traps for the opponent, luring them onto points, and then being able to run away. This is a big deal. Phantasm is obviously the pinnacle of this because you can wait and see what the opponent's tried to do, and then deny them the thing they were trying to kill, or move something angry forwards that's in an area where they can't really threaten it. Shove a wraith knight suddenly on a point, so the OC flips what they're trying to do in terms of the primary. All sorts of things you can do there. Um, but some of the other relocation ones, like prowling adjutant or squad tactics or ranges is really nice just for denying the opponent the opportunity they thought they were going to have, right? It's a unit they wanted to kill, now it's gone, so that might hurt the secondaries they were trying to score. It's really good with lone operatives. I've been running Prowling Adjutant on a saboteur, and that's really fun because you've got to get within 12 to shoot the saboteur. They get within 12, then the saboteur goes, nah, and jumps back and is like, no, you can't get me, after also bombing them. And it's like, that's there's some fun, there's some fun stuff you can do with that, right? So I think combo it combos very nicely with lone operatives type units, so sniper scouts, rangers, um, and it can lead to the opponent committing resources that you're then able to counterattack onto um, and can make life very difficult for them. So I think that kind of bait and switch play is definitely really good. Ed, have you got anything else to add to our sort of general uses? 
think we've kind of covered. I'm sure there is more, but it's difficult to conceptualize when you're just talking about it. I feel like we've touched on all the obvious ones. I yeah, I, I, there was one more I wanted to talk about. I think it's as GSC Deathwatchy Type 1, which was switching board focus. This was something I did at the weekend, which is that mm. when you have a tool as powerful as bringing multiple units back into the sky and coming down elsewhere, as Deathwatch and GSC both do, you do not need to contest the entire board, and instead you yep. can focus very aggressively on chunks of it. So I've played against Custodes a couple of games now, and, in, and they're very difficult to chew through, right? They're not an army that you can take on very easily. And what I've found with GSC and the way I was playing it at the weekend was what you do is you use the ability to go back into the sky. You just put a huge hammer of force down on one bit of that army, hit it as hard as you possibly can, and clear it stay well away from the rest of it and then you know you can jump down hit another bit of it next time and it's very much picking picking them off at the edges rather than trying that you know we all know that moment you try and hit the custodes army you bounce off it and it runs you over it's trying to avoid yeah. that moment right and i think again i think death watch are quite tooled up to be able to do this as well where you can pick your battles um so that end of turn relocation definitely really really nice for just I guess fighting quite as precise and more scalpel approach to the battle rather than trying to fight them everywhere. Um, so that's definitely a strong use of it too. Great. Okay. That is the uses. That's some of the ways this stuff is going to be used against you. So let's think about how you might counter it. Ed, how do we counter this? What do we do? Help. So something that's quite fun is the first time I was playing into one of my mates, uh, mm -hmm. he was running... Um, an army that does a lot of deep striking mm -hmm. and I had the Wraithguard brick and I'd mm -hmm. moved onto some ter terrain, uh, I charged him, I'd ruined his day because I'd, I'd charged him, he'd punched me, I'd gone <laughs> and just killed loads of stuff, uh, as I want to do, uh, yep. it's great fun great, fantastic melee bringing me all those guns uh, anyway, <laughs> comes, comes round into his turn and he starts, you know, setting up to lines up all his guns into me. And I, was, I said, look, just just a heads up. Remember, I can phantasm. I'm going to move behind this bit of terrain. Yeah. And then all these guns that you put in there are uh, completely pointless. I was like, oh, fucking Eldar, what am I going to do? I said, well, you have got two squads of Inceptors in reserve. And they can come in three inches away. So how about you come in three inches away from me and you block me from phantasm? Hey. And he did that. And then nice. I lost the game. Um, nice. Because he, he just got to shoot my entire valuable unit, yes. which is as it should have been. Yeah. So um, yeah, bringing bringing movement blockers is very valuable. Um, yes. Not a lot of armies can come in three inches away. Sometimes you just got to put something fast there. Yeah. But if you can stop a unit from moving where you don't want them to, it's uh, it's very valuable. Yeah, that's that's massively important, and I think that's definitely one of the ways of dealing, particularly with something like Phantasm. Right, is is you just you just leave no ground to go to. You cover the mm. angles. Um, a chess a chess term is is forking a chess term. Is that where yeah. I've got that from? That came to mind when I was talking. No, that's about what this. we do on the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> so essentially, with with any of these movement tools. Forking is one way you can deal with this, right? Which is that you present a threat. <laughs> Stop yep. it. Look, we take forking very seriously in this. I'm household. such a fucking okay. child. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, guys. It's a legitimate term. Chris told me. I did have to check because I was like, I'm gonna, I am going to. can't do this whole segment yeah. if it's not even a real term. What this means is if you set I up prefer to, spooning. If you set up to threaten <laughs> two things at once, the opponent cannot protect both, particularly in the case of Phantasm. If you line up attacks on two things, 
they are not able to get both of them out of the way. With Eldar, this has always been true. Eldar have always suffered against overload in particular because they often have ways to dance around one or two things, but they really struggle if you present them with far too many different things to deal with um, to ply all of their tricks at once, and then you're able to push through and run them over. Um, Phantasm, we had an example of this in the game I played with Ed, although obviously Ed won this game because he outplayed me. But at the start of that game, I pushed the Aberrants up and had Wraithlord one side, Wraithguard the other. So at that stage, Ed is not going to be able to get both of these out the way, right? One of those is getting hit by 10 Aberrants. As it was, that Wraithlord turned out to be a goddamn hero and would not, <laughs> would not die. But it, that's exactly the kind of move you need to play with these kinds of things. Um, you create multiple threats, create multiple angles, threaten multiple things, they're not going to be able to protect all of them. And it, it also helps, you know, even if you're threatening, a, you can if you can position a unit so that it could shoot two things, all the better as well. It's the same with GSC strats, like you know, protecting things can't be shot outside 12 away. This kind of has that similar effect. If you line something up so you can shoot two units, they can only protect one, right? And so that, that then creates these kinds of problems. So that's, that's very much one of the ways around this. Create multiple problems, create overloads, and then the power of those stratagems becomes slightly less. Shout out to Lee Churchwood because he loves to play, play this way. And he's when I was on busted as hell Harlequins, he absolutely smashed me by doing exactly that, just by creating so many problems with Honor the Prince Terminators dropping down. Just like, I'm going to get something. You can't save all of it. And just absolutely <laughs> flattening me. Um, so yeah, cre create a lot of problems. Uh, don't create one and hope it's going to work because one is the ideal for these kinds of tricks usually. Mm, I will say, just given that he smashed me with this just a couple of days ago, I did absolutely mess up my target priority. Uh, but shout out to my mate Rory, who is uh, an absolute beast at threat overload. Yeah, He's just like, well, you 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 can deal with one thing, but you can't run away with everything. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. he plays custodies, so yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> yeah, 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 custodies are very good at this right now, right? It's like it's coming. The whole yeah. thing's coming. <laughs> Full send. Yes. Don't, be, don't be tentative. All the guns are assault now. So even yeah. though you were going to advance anyway, now you just get to shoot <laughs> yeah. as well. And sometimes and twice. Choose. Yeah, sometimes yeah. twice. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. Turns out. So I, <laughs> I had set up a screening block to stop him from getting into my last valuable unit after I'd really dropped the ball with my turn one target priority. Uh, it, it really snowballed. Um, mm. But then he was like, cool, so I'm going to shoot you with this, um, these five wardens plus Trajan, da 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 da. And I'm going to shoot you again. It's like. <laughs> I knew you could do that. I hadn't factored that in. Yeah. And then the, uh, the last of my screen died. The shooting he, again. Yeah, it, it went from being a 10-inch a charge to a 6-inch charge. And ah. weirdly, he made that one. Oh, no. Yeah, he oh, fucking no. makes 10-inch charge all the time. So uh, he's one of, one of those. Yeah, Something yeah, about yeah. slow-moving durable armies and making yeah. those charges. Only the important man. ones. Like, any <laughs> unimportant 11-inch charge can't make it for sure. No. <laughs> Um, Lewis, do you have any other tips for how to counter these kinds of things? Yeah, well, actually, um, Ed said the word just now, and that word is screening, um, ah. which I think becomes incredibly important when you start looking at GSC and things like that. You you start putting units in reserve, Tom. My immediate response is to not give you any options to drop back in. Obviously, yeah. I, I know you've got a deep strike within three inches strap, which yeah. is very difficult, but let's let's assume GSC aren't broken for a moment. Um, <laughs> and they behave like everybody oh, else. I'd love, I'd love to live in that world. Nine inches of everyone. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of armies that can put down little small units, um, little individual models, and an individual model has a pretty big zone of influence in terms of screening what it can stop coming down. So yes. I, I turn back to Tyranids and we look at spore mines, we look at biovores, we look at various other little tiny blob units that you can take up a lot of space with and actually just screen out maybe that's your 
backfield or an area near a key unit so that even if people are trying to pull shenanigans on you, they can't drop anywhere near anything important. 100%. 100%. Yeah, and armies that can do that, Nids, Orcs, are both on my scary list of things, things I am definitely concerned about. There were people, I think people are quite high on Nids as an anti-GSC option at the moment because of how much space they can take up. And those yeah. are the armies where I have to start so much more on the board. And interestingly with GSC at the moment, they are much more anemic on the board than they used to be. They used to be more or less the same efficiency, whether or not they'd come down or whether or not they were coming. Whereas now a lot of the power in the output is actually triggered by them coming in from reserves. So if you're if you're having to clear your way out from the ground, you're you're very vulnerable. It's not it's nothing like as powerful. You don't have ignore cover and you don't have exploding sixes. So the shooting is much worse. Um so yeah, very, very good to do it. And it's yeah, you, you chase chase all the corners fill it all up yeah so where are you going to put a blip i'm like i don't know i can't place one there's no one there a a single spore mine is effectively an 18 inch square oh i hate them yeah (laughs) Yeah, super good like even if i have to push forward so against particularly shooty armies or armies that are just going to tear through me and i have Mm -hmm. to really commit forwards with everything it's normally just the, the solitary spore mine sitting in each corner that goes, you can't go anywhere around me. You are going to have to deal with what's in front of you with what you've got on the board, or it's all coming in in your own deployment zone behind mm. everything else, which just gets in its other's way. Yeah. It's got it's, it's giving me Serenity vibes. I don't know if you've got any Serenity fans in the house, but if your prey goes to ground, leave no ground to go to. That is the way <laughs> That is the way to do it. That's how the operative hunts. That uh, sounds like it's how the nids hunt as well. Uh, I'm quite afraid to play Lewis at the moment. No, that doesn't sound. That doesn't sound fun. Chris, have you got any other counters? Interesting for game, I think. Tom, <laughs> I think. I think. I think I'm it would be, best. <laughs> be violent. Be very violent. <laughs> um, well, you've kind of covered the things I was thinking of, but what I'll add is, in terms of the phantasm thing, obviously not every army can block out uh, three inches away. But what you can do is use any sort of fast-moving infantry you've got to get around the back and block them yes. off the battle report. With Blood Angels versus Eldar and Jack Carpster used on like his jump troops to get behind the Wraith Guard mm. so that they couldn't Phantasm away from his yes. charges. Because obviously, you can use Phantasm aggressively, but you also use it defensively to hide things yes. and use it to bait enemies onto you. Um, but if you can get any sort of fast moving infantry, something cheap, preferably just to get behind the unit, just yeah. to kind of like shepherd them. So there's that. Um, and in terms of the screening thing, one thing I will say is that there are a lot of armies out there that can drop in under nine inches away. And I think it's really important to not get too hung up on that. Yeah. Um, I played Grey Knights um, at an event and um, he had the three inch drop down. And I was like, oh man, he could drop down here and shoot this and drop down here and shoot that. And actually, it's really easy. Oh my word, they can get everywhere. Yeah, You fundamentally can't screen out that space. No. So it's then thinking about what are the things I actually do need to protect and stop someone from being able to get to. Exactly. Is right. there anything? Is this that big a deal? Um, great, cool. Get those things covered. And then just, you know, armies that can come down three inches away with a unit, it's going to be brutal, but... They've done it, you know. They're there, so you kind of know it's coming, right? Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So you kind of just got to sometimes you got grin and bear it, but don't get too hung up and overthink it. You've got it's the basic, isn't it? Establishing in your army what are the most important units to keep alive to counter your opponent's army, um, and then using other tools. So in some matchups, some of your best like shooter units won't actually be particularly valuable. Whereas uh, compared to certain other matchups, you know, hordes versus vehicle games, for example. Yeah. So it's about understanding um, that 
to try and um, and then also you know using things like charges and that sort of thing to extend your screens out as well if yeah. if needs be because you know as we know melee is less killy these days so if you can fire your vehicles off to go and tag stuff but just use that to push out your screens and that sort of thing i think that's definitely a play yeah completely i think i think those are very valid points and i think yeah being at peace with it it's going to happen armies can do these things you are going to have to deal with it um and then and then working around the existence of those things i think is definitely important with phantasm i don't know I've, I've not done this but you could definitely map out a nice bubble around the key things you're trying to get your teeth into and see where can they go where can a where can this wraith knight move what where do what do i not want it to be stood on where do i not want it to be where can the wraith card go what, what are the escape routes or the offensive routes how do i make sure they don't maximize the movement out of that which, i think a couple of, oh sorry after you uh, I was just say, which conversely for the eldar player you need to be creating alleys so your opponent yeah. can't. So, like exactly. with a race night, you need to make sure you've got things shielded around it so that your opponent can't drop three inches behind you and block off the um, exactly block off the phantasm. Because you know when the demo charge brick drops down to try and delete your race guard or sorry your race night, you want to be able to phantasm out of range. Yes. Well, if they put something three inches behind you to stop you from phantasming, you're squashed. So that's why you need to have those completely like those alleys blocked off yeah these are demo charges versus these tools is is a real mini game in and of itself because demo charges lovely powerful very killy ridiculously killy six inch range and if you get moved away from you are just there with your pants down so it's it's quite a funny one it goes one of two ways as do gsc in general at the moment um and yeah but it's, it's a really interesting game in and of itself the back and forth with that a couple other thoughts i had i mean we talked about vex well sorry i didn't these guys masterfully talked about Vect last time out. Vect is massive for some of these tools, right? These are these are obviously as we as we talked about before. These are great candidates for making the CP cost more expensive. That's something if you can do it, absolutely invaluable to punish these kinds of movement tools. But you can create other costs as well, and I think the big one is with objective control and objective play. At the very least, you want to be making sure that your opponent is abandoning objectives to do these things. I think if, if your opponent is going to move out of range and use tools and get out of harm's way, at least make it so that you've cost them primary as well, right? Make sure that you're securing the objectives. This was a, a saying when Harlequins were big, and I think it's still big now. Chase the objectives, not the army at times. Make sure you're getting to those points because ultimately they're going to have to come back there to get their points, right? The, th the game is demanding they be in these places as well. So making sure that you are securing those points and, and getting on them and holding them is a really big deal because... You can always be doing that, even if they do manage to skip out and out of the way of you as well. And typically, yeah, if you chase for those, um, and this is a very custodious thing, you know, I'm going to this one, then I'm going to go to this one. If you happen to be in the way, great. If not, I'm going anyway. It doesn't matter. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to roll you over, um, and that creates, in its own way, enormous problems for the opponent, even if they do have the advantage in terms of their movement and janking around you. Right. Um, great. Okay. Um, these are always things to anticipate. I think. One other option which we didn't discuss is uh, some of these are triggered. You don't have to trigger them, right? You can play around the, the nine-inch trigger for a lot of these movement ones. Be aware of that as well. I had this with the, the Custodes Enhancement the other day where there's that 10 Brit. If that gets an extra six inches of movement, I am in big trouble because it's going to use that to go and take my home field and it will never leave. And I spent the entire game not going within, like, I don't know, I, I stayed well away from it. The Tenbrick was the only thing left at the end. I literally played around it, killed everything else, just let it do its thing, didn't at any point go anywhere near it, let it use that extra movement, because it, without it, it was slow. It didn't ever have the moment it needed 
to get to a decisive point on the board and and sort of win the game for the custodians player. So yeah, being aware of the, what the triggers are and avoiding them as well, definitely a route that you do have if you have one of these janky fast moving armies, of course. Great. Okay. Well, we've covered that with a ruthless, snappy efficiency. Well done, us. Oh, Proud of us. That's how you. It. That's how you move. We've sold movement. You're all welcome. We'll sell yeah. something. We'll sell something else next time. Um, Jack says CSM do literally none of these things. Yeah, but you're you're the army that chases, aren't you? Not the army that runs. You know, you, you know, you know your place in the game, Jack. <laughs> oh, Ed, you're muted. I think. You Maybe are... you have a massive unkillable bricks that can't be targeted from outside of 12 inches. So I have no sympathy for you or your non-movement shenanigan ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's such so, a shame uh... that the untargetable death brick can't also fire and fade and phantasm and do other things. Yeah. I, I will say, in terms of movement tricks, and this is an anti-GSE one, uh, mm -hmm. you can take 10 infiltrators and put the librarian in them with yes. the, uh, the can't be shot outside of 12 inches. Yes. Uh, and GSE just lose. Yeah, they I don't I, like I, that. I don't understand how you play into that because it's such a big area that you can screen out because it's you can't come in within twelve inches of a single model in that squad. Yeah, and it's horrific. You can't shoot them if you're outside of twelve inches of the squad, mm -hmm. so they just exist. So you yeah. have to move things forwards on their feet. Yeah, it runs completely counter to how GSC currently are able to play. They they, they just don't yeah. have they don't have an answer to that. I think uh, aberrant. I guess is the aberrant. Aberrant on yeah to an extent. If you can catch them, if I you guess. could rapid ingress in, then you can maybe have a chance of catching them. That would have to be yeah. That would have to be the way. And you're just hoping that nothing horrific happens to those aberrants, and yeah. that the army in question that's doing this to you doesn't also have a lot of things that go very quickly through aberrants. Um, yeah. As long as they don't have that, you should be okay. Uh, Jack, Jack pipes up in the chat. Jack tight. <laughs> Constant frenemy of six. Yeah, no, but that's right. As I say, I've, I've, I've seen these Death Watch lists. I see you out there, guys. I know what's in it, and I know how that's going to go. And I'm excited to play no, the game. No, but it's 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 intensely violent, and I have no answer to it. But that's all right. Jack then... has a title to defend. So yeah, absolutely right. Here's a spoiler. I actually don't think it goes in the list. Oh, you don't <laughs> take it? I don't think so. Because oh, I think it's so, so bad good. to do everything else. Uh, it's yeah. so many points. Mm. Um, How many points? You could it? do you could do a mini Two version, points. right? You could certainly do a mini <laughs> version with one squad and a living. I don't think it screens out enough to be worthwhile. Because mm. I think you, like a lot of the lists I've been looking at, theoretically writing, um, two squads of the infiltrators, but... Yeah, yeah, I don't want to combine them. You can them create into one enormous and... space there. That's that's different. Yeah, and then I come up against Eldar, and he just goes, "Oh, I've got a wraith knight." <laughs> yeah, sound. That is that is the challenge: building for all these horrible things at once. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the only answer I've come up with so far is chipping away at that annoying thing with manticores for a turn, and hoping the bubble gets small enough that I can do <laughs> stuff. And that's not a very good plan. And I can't shoot that one outside of twelve anyway, so I can't even do that. If Space Spring players start running the Thunderstrike, then that uh, that Wraith Knight's going to start falling over. That's all I'm saying. Well, I think the Thunderstrike will be seeing some use. I Gives you so. plus one to wounds against it does. that get it's shot by it. Very, it's very good. Chris is blank. Very, very good for the Wraith Knight. Things yep. kill a Wraith Knight. There's a <laughs> never yeah. used one, so I don't know. Things absolutely do kill Wraith Knights. It does yeah. happen. It does happen. Uh, Gail Morris says, I'll claim the crown of top Jack at this event. Big talk. 
Guy wins an RTT and he comes call. comes for the big name. I like it. I like that kind of enthusiasm. Go and get him, Jack. Jack off. Battle of the, the Jack, Jack off. off. You can Jack each other off. <laughs> this is a family-friendly show. Come on. <laughs> Does anyone watch, the, anyone watch the Barbie movie yet? There's a whole beach off uh, thing in that. Yeah. Oh, dear. Jack, I, I think if you run the numbers on that, it's actually not as exciting. He says that the, um, the anti- monster five plus desolation marines are good for it mm. that's that's cute but also it has a two up save and you don't have any ap inherently mm. so interesting mm, interesting maybe if you can get them six inches up on like a uktc massive home l then it works i'm seeing this a lot at the moment yeah. desolators are definitely plunging fire hungry these days they they like they yeah. do like the plunging fire is that mortals on five ups no no it's just wounding on five ups mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mortals yeah. on five ups absolutely would do it. <laughs> that plus O at the moment equals goodbye anything, pretty much. It's pretty crazy. Uh, but we're digressing. We're digressing here. We've got into some of the, the the high stakes of some of these higher matchups, which we'll be seeing before very long as solutions to different problems are cooked up. But we're going to do some podcast questions, and then we're going to go to bed because we're a short, punchy show these days. We've reformed from our <laughs> long rambling ways. We are to the point and we are effective. So let's see what we got in the chat. I think I've just given up on trying to build anything that can take on GSC or Eldar at the moment. I'm just well, placing I, my with hope nids, I wouldn't. With nids, I wouldn't. There's stuff you can do. You can certainly make life difficult anyway. I'd say yeah, definitely, you definitely for GSC. I don't know about Eldar. But if I you go first, you go first on GSC. Events. You go first on yeah. GSC, you can make a lot of problems. Absolutely. Yeah. So, right, first, I'm, first I'm, question. Thursday is coming, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> oh, yeah. It'll, all, it'll get adjusted. It will get adjusted. <laughs> um, so, Ultimate Funk says, what other factions, that, if they are strong, everyone thinks the game is in a good place, and which are the ones that people may feel are indicative of a toxic meta? I don't like this suggestion that community perception might not be consistent and reliable, Ultimate Funk. I don't know where you've got that from. Um, is it as simple as shooting factions are toxic and melee ones are more healthy? Yes. Yeah. 100%. That's part of it. I would also say that when Marines are broken, no one gives a shit. I would also, in my experience... <laughs> I give a shit. I really hate it when Marines are good. I also hate it. Like three I also hate it, but like, the, oh. level of, the level of noise is always infinitely less. Because there's just more Marines players. And it's, you know, they're relaxed. Yeah, you guys are very really good, I hear you. I'm going to run 30 because I've got no hands. Yeah, Jack says Arcs of Omens. Yeah, exactly. Marines were basically top dog in Arcs of Omens. And it was a good meta. They weren't like as ludicrous as some of the stuff is at the moment. Um, but they were definitely top dog. And that was know. that was generally Did okay. Did you ever play into the fucking Space Wolf list? Uh, yeah. I did. It, it was horrific. Oh, Edward, yeah. Edward's absolutely demolished me with it. And it was not fun. <laughs> um, but I did kill all, kill all his desolation reads. So I, I took something out of it. Moral victory. Yeah. So, yeah, it's an interesting one. I think, I think really oppressive shooting armies are toxic i think armies where they can table you basically without you doing anything no one likes that like the admech sort of alpha strike or the drakari beta strike where it's like do what you like i'm killing you anyway those were both very oppressive to play into um, i don't think people mind a, me a melee army being strong as much i think that's probably fair. counterpoint yeah custodies i was well i was about to say Holy shit. durability i uh... don't think people like it when durability builds are overpowered like deathwing terminators when that was the thing right 
we don't like yeah. that. That isn't fun. That's not nice. We like ca- to remove our opponent's models. Yeah. So I played Mark, our very own Mark, in the second round at this RTT on the weekend, and and that was a deeply unfair game because he had a lovely Blood Angels list and I had GSC. But he was saying, you know, it's like, well, at least I'm killing lots and lots of stuff, whereas you know I can play pool and literally kill two models and then be tabled with. And that's happened to me with my Votan very recently. Incidentally, I have killed literally like three Deathwing Terminators and then been bodied off the board at least twice. <laughs> like it's. So those kinds of durability builds, yeah, they can be very frustrating as well, I think. Um, they do tend to be slow, though, don't they? They tend to be... You don't tend to see massively durable, <laughs> fast armies. Remember when they released and every every man and their dog was running just uh, 15 Custodes bikes and yeah. putting them in the middle of the board going, you can't mathematically kill me. Lol. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And like, oh, the, as soon as you get advance and charge on those durable bricks, then the, it becomes a bit different. Like the Leviathan Warriors, they were deceptively quick. Yeah, I think. Oh, in, oh mate! In Deathwing Gladius, they're quick. Actually, you know, Custodes um, have the Blade Champ; they can advance and charge. Deathwing aren't like super tanky though. Deathwing Knights are pretty tanky at the moment. Oh. No, 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 no. So yeah, so Death, Deathwing Knights are, can be. Two up cover, minus one yeah, AP, yeah. minus one damage, four wounds each, four up invite. That's that's not. And a four yeah. up against mortals for one round. That can certainly tank. Yeah. Our very own Paul James is a big fan of that nonsense. He loves that stuff. <laughs> he will, he'll be running it this weekend, I have no doubt. Um, so, yeah, I think those kind of ones can definitely be quite oppressive as well. And as I said, I've, I've ch- chatted about it with people in the Discord, but personally for me as well, the armies that wind me up, it's when when a build is busted that doesn't look or feel anything like a 40k army, that winds me up. Like if it was like all flyers or when it was like all plague bearers, mm. things where it's just like, this is just a gimmick. It doesn't really feel like an army. Like I didn't really mind Emperor's Children being good because it's like, this kind of looks awesome. It kind of has the noise marines, the terminators. It's got, you know, all these different things going all on. All the things you'd expect to see. Yeah, but it felt right in terms of what was good. And I think Ninth Books in general did deliver that. Um, no, great question. So, Paint Celestine asks, I'm interested in how you approach list design and codex analysis. Do you look for raw, efficient units? Do you try and build a lot of synergy into lists? How much do you build into lists that are designed to be support elements? I find myself frequently cutting immolators since they're now 130 points, and I could field a whole unit over that as an example. So here's the here's the answer. If you want to play tournament play, look for raw efficient units because you know what happens. And in game three, game five, game six, your brain stops working anywhere near as good. If you're looking for synergies, if you're like, but if I do this and this and this, sure, you might squeeze out a little bit more damage. But the second you misposition one of them, you're out of the game. Uh, and turn four, like, oh, hey, I've managed to hold on to this one unit that's just good. Um, that can do so much more damage than here's some synergistic combo. Uh, yeah. Synergy sounds cool on paper. I find it rarely works out. Um, I yeah. much prefer the direct power and then some tech pieces to play the mission. Yeah, I, I love the synergy approach. And it does, at some point, in any event, let me down. Because as you say, <laughs> at some point, you just stop putting those things together and then it doesn't work. Or you've spent one CP too many and it's like, oh, I, I actually can't do the thing I was going to do now. Uh, and so, yeah, I think having that that bedrock of good units is definitely key, as you say. Although I do love combos. I love to start with the like outer rules layer, the enhancements, the strats, those things, and then go, right, what's going to go well with this? What's going what's gonna to sing with this stuff? Um, I think I build in the opposite way to you, Tom. I tend okay. to, well, I tend to start with a theme, something that I want to achieve 
kind of thematically with the army. So mm-hmm. if it's Tyranids, it's I want to go with the whole Tyranid list and I want to make it work. And then then build the enhancements and, and the support characters in and around that. So That's very cool. I like for that. example, I really like Gene Stealers. I want to take Gene Stealers. How do I support Gene Stealers both? Okay, so Brood Lords massively increase their ability. Chuck the redeploy on them with the scout moves. Job done. How do I make sure Gene Stealers are going to get in there um, with all those different aspects in there? Um, mm. And then I think I think with with everybody, I'm sure Ed's the same and, and you guys are the same, but it's quite an iterative process after that. Oh, yeah. We, we touched on it earlier about the updates that I put in the chat and following each of the games I play, each of those games will then lead to me adjusting 100 to 200 points in the army. Something didn't work. Something wasn't quite as good as I want. Something wasn't matching the theme. Something wasn't want, but behaving how I wanted it to. Take that out, put something different in. Rinse and repeat. Is that better? Yes or no? Take it back out, put something else back in. But I tend to start with a kind of a theme which has a core around it. So in this case, it's 100 gaunts of various <laughs> shapes and sizes. And then we just kind of build around that and go, well, okay, that takes up that takes up 800 points. How do we uh, how do we change that? You've got Matilda behind me there. Um, I've always wanted that model. It's sat in the middle of the army. How do I build an army around that works with that? Um, mm. Same with the Bio Titan and the uh, and the various other armies I've done as well, but yeah, I tend to start with a theme and then kind of make the enhancements and everything else work around that. Completely, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, Chris, you got anything to add to that? Yeah, I mean, so I, these days I start. Fuck with... you, Ed. <laughs> Look, we all have, we all have our things. Okay? <laughs> we all have our things. I like losing Sunday morning at a UKTC event because I've overthought it. We all do our thing. Hey, Chris, carry on. Um, yeah, so I, these days I start with the things that I believe to be auto-takes in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for example, Eldar, the Autark Wayleaper. 80 points, but it's giving you CP and those sorts of things. And then um, there are other certain units, and um, I'll put two of those in, which I think should definitely Red- Redundancy be is definitely something to do with um, yeah. And then it's kind of a... As I keep going back and forth, it's like, what have I got in this list which is going to do my killing? Um, and what have I got on my list that is screwing my points? So I think different players like different things, you know, like you're the many teams of the world who's just going to take three of the four or five most important um, efficient units in the book and he's going to blow you off the table. Sometimes just one team. with racks. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's you've got that style, whereas I'm much more of a I like to have stuff because um, I like to have the screens and be able to throw away units and move block and that sort of thing. Um, so that's what I'm going down the road of at the moment is like trying to get that balance. And then exactly as Lewis says, the amount of times you pick a unit, you put them in your list and you go, I think it's going to play like this. Um, and you get to the table and you go, well, actually, I had too many of this, or I didn't have enough of this. And it's also really important to note that that can vary depending on the game and the matchup. Oh, completely. So that's why you don't really want to make wholesale changes to lists um, after just one practice game. But obviously, usually with any sort of common sense, you can see how this didn't quite work. Actually, I can now, now that I've put this unit on the table, I can't hide this many holes, for example. Yeah. Um, and actually, I can't strat reserve this sort of stuff. Um, or actually, the night spinner does fuck all. So there's no need for me to have two or three of them. One lies. night spinner. Fucking lies. Night spinner. One, one night spinner is great. Yeah. But it loses so much um, kind of use once you get to the second third because you're not taking it to kill things. You're taking it to slow down a Necron blob or a Custodian blob. Um, so one is great, but you could take three and go, oh, actually, that wasn't really that helpful. 
um, and then you can free that up and that only comes from playing but yeah so basically i start with the auto tapes i get some efficiency in and then i try and build in the extra crap just to I try and get value for money basically right i've got yeah. 300 points what's the most stuff i can i can get in uh in this oh they're always hidden from you jack <laughs> yeah no i think i think that's very relevant and i think i mean the nice thing with this is that you can practice this right you can practice looking through a a book and figuring out what the most bang for your buck is testing looking at your points and trying to work out in terms of all relation to each other what are the valuable things here you can practice comboing the synergies that you have with the units that you have um so you can always be working on this stuff um, yeah i think chris um chris says a good point about um the night spinners i think that that speaks to things just because something is good it doesn't mean you should have three of them <laughs> yeah um just because wraith knights are amazing three wraith knights is probably not the way to go anymore not um, now. i not. found it with the biovores everyone says spore mines are amazing and they really are like, they can just screen so much score your secondaries that sort of stuff i was finding with the third one at 65 points a model i had a third spore mine every single turn that i didn't really know what to do with it because two was enough so as you practice, as you play through, you'll realise, okay, this unit is one of the best units in the book, but actually I only need two of them or I only need one of them before the rest are just excess and wasted points. And, and sometimes you're wasting more points than you're gaining from being an efficient unit. Yeah, absolutely. And so these are all these are all important lessons to learn and iteration is, is the main thing, right? You start with your concept and then you move yep. forwards from there. Um, we've got our next question from Connor Nichols. Taking data from certain websites like StatCheck or MetaMonday, what faction win rates surprise you the most? What's the most surprising win rate at this moment in time? I, do you know what? I, and I know people have um, people have got there's good reasons why then where they're not doing as well. But reading the Grey Knight book, there is so much good stuff in there. Mm. that if you just read that index you go this index is amazing there's just so many sh so much tricks so many shenanigans so much i can potentially do with this army to play the current edition of the game really really well i can get those cards really easily i can get all over the place but actually when when they've worked out the points and the amount of damage that's done per point is, is really really low and therefore it just can't compete so I was initially quite surprised to see gray knights being so so bad thirty-three mm. percent win rate yeah, that is that is real pretty bad. shocking, isn't it? Sounds about right. To you, right? Like they're yes. you use them at their absolute, and that's the interesting thing I think is that so many of these armies, um, they are when they use most optimally and built in the most optimal way, are very very strong. Um, but how many people are actually doing that? Nowhere near enough to actually bring those win percentages up. Weirdly, they have a delivery issue. Um, which is wild to say for an army that moves around so much, but they are their shooting is terrible. Their melee is really good at killing marines, but they've got no way to get into melee outside of I'm rolling a nine inch charge. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you can make it like an eight inch, or you can get like a reroll or something. But it's not, it's not consistent. It's very difficult, and almost all of your output is tied up in like high volume strength five AP two two damage attacks, which is not where you want to be. It might be strength six along those lines. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, it's hard hard to leverage that. No, completely. I, I'm I want probably the biggest surprise to me in general has been that Marines didn't make it mm. higher up. I think that's the only. I've not been surprised by much, but I was expecting slightly more from Marines than we got in terms of their overall performance. I'd like to echo something that 
one of the design teams said before they lost every game playing Space Marines in a tournament, <laughs> uh, which is the community just plays Space Marines poorly. Uh, which <laughs> I will I will give Stu his absolute due here. He, his statement was correct. Like he oh, wasn't yeah. wrong with what he was saying. It was just very funny that he then lost all this game. Uh, <laughs> and also, I'm not sure he got it right for the right reason, but that's another. Anyway, uh, there's so I many think... Space Marines players, and so many of them are just like you know. Timmies who enjoy bringing a big brick of Terminators and using yeah. it really poorly, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that, but if you look at it competitively, it's worth this data. Yeah, for sure. And we've seen, I mean, Jack Tite is a good example of someone who's taken Marines out and something recently and done very well, so that you can you can play oh, side with them. I th thought you were going to say a, a Timmy who doesn't know how to play. <laughs> no, <laughs> we, 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 you know, we're, we're already, we're already setting, it, set, setting him up for defeat by our jacket this weekend. We don't even mean to him than we already have been. Um, yeah, completely. So the, I think other than that, I don't know. The fields kind of looked like we felt like it would. I think Drakari have been worse than I thought they would be. I didn't think they'd be good. I didn't think they'd be actively bad. They're currently actively bad, but I think it's a player effect as much as anything. I think I the think best Drakari well. can reroll all, all the hits with units. But, and that, but that doesn't get you there. Yeah, yeah. well, that's the fact it. that an army that can reroll all its shits, all its shits, all its hits <laughs> with very high quality guns is is nowhere near. I, is, I think is it telling will you what there. we're up against. It will. Yeah. The problem is the top three armies by stats, which um, just just disclaimer: this is a terrible way of looking at what's good in the game. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I I don't like it at all. But anyway, no, if we pick the top three. It, it's good when there's outliers. Like, oh hey, Eldari, seventy percent. That's probably about right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like, if you look at the top three by stats, all of them outshoot Drakari. So, they do, and outposition Drakari. Yeah. yeah, that's the big issue. I don't they know about do Imperial Knights. Do a lot better. Uh, Imperial Knights. I mean, outposition out is about just walk forward. Drakari, Drakari have to see round the terrain, and the knights don't. I mean, that's that's giving you something on the positioning front, isn't it? <laughs> well, it does both ways. But if I, if I uh, yeah. was playing Knights and I was playing Dakari, one of them wants to hide. Yeah. One of them's kind of ambivalent on the issue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, completely. So yeah, I, th I think that probably is it. I think the top set for Dakari is is a big issue at the moment. Yeah. So until that changes, um, they're going to they're going to struggle. Another good one that's uh, got terrible stats in comparison to where they should be. Chaos Knights at forty seven percent. I mean, it's not as much of a swing as some of the other factions, but like that's just people not playing them right. Mm. Um, I'm looking forward to uh, getting around to playing some at some events. I might have to take them to Leeds because I don't know if I can get this army uh, done in time, which means I've been playing a really <laughs> bad uh, Chaos Knight army. Actually, I don't have all the bits that I need. Oh, just if right. you don't get this other one done, just take your Eldar Ed. Don't don't get. Precious oh yeah, about no, it. I do have. Don't, don't get have precious a... about it. Just like if you can't do I this, just take the Eldar. The Eldar. I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was, um, I was in my local games workshop, and I was talking to the manager, and he goes, "Oh yeah, yeah." yeah. So what was it? What's it like? Because uh, I, he knew I was going to an event. I was like, "Yeah, no, I, I you know, played Eldar and won. It's, it's what it is." And I <laughs> put them in a box. It's like, oh, that's a shame. Why, why is that? And I was like, well, it's like punting a baby. The yeah. first time you do it, you go, "Fucking hell, that baby went really far." And the second time you do it, the cry you sort of tug at the heartstrings. You're like. Oh. Yeah, maybe maybe there's a reason we don't punt there. Yeah, we're we're moral beings, I've right? There's only so many times. There's only so many times you can do that for sure. But no, I think as a backup option, that's not a bad one to have, right? If you can't do this other one, yeah, um, yeah. If it gets to like Tuesday and I'm like, oh, this is unmanageable, I just um, get a wraith knight and paint it, and then go exactly exactly that, exactly that. Um, great. Okay. Um, oh, the only other one. So demons, demons have recovered, and demons are fine. 
I think Chaos players were a little bit down on Demons. It has a fantastic toolkit, and it turns out that if you hit the send button on big fucking monsters, no, you're, you're just fine. Chaos players are down on Demons, then they've got a really good toolkit, they score well, their big Demons are good, and they do better than everyone expected. Yep. Where have I heard this before? We've, we've been oh, here 12 before. 12 months ago, motherfuckers. Yep. We've been Short-term here before. memory loss, have we? Yep, indeed. Okay. If I... Oh, Mate, I, I I don't like demons at this point because I had to play them three games out of four, uh, and it's just been seared into my mind. So I've got no sympathy for any of you motherfuckers with your twenty-five point having flame. <laughs> um, sorry, <laughs> yeah, but it's I am I'm enjoying seeing chaos players have a genuine choice because I think CSM, Thousand Sons, and Demons all have play. It's it doesn't feel like the chaos team are all having to to sort of hitch themselves to one wagon right now. There's a, there's a bunch of stuff you can do. They're all in a nice powerful but not broken place and hopefully when other things get adjusted they'll be able to shine a bit more so i, I think that's really nice to see um it does sound like a lot of fun as well particularly the csm i'm hearing a lot of people say very positive things about playing csm great okay um with the way things are intent the way things are intent what do you think the single most important stat from a data card is if you could only pick one attribute toughness wounds range etc Okay, so not an ability, literally just a literally stat. Literally a stat. Ooh. As a single stat, it's got to be movement, surely. It usually Ooh. is, isn't it? Movement is king. But a lot of the things that are good positionally are good movement-wise outside of their movement stat, so I wonder... Yeah. I'm going to say save, because if you can yeah. get a two-up save... And then two two up saves get, are huge. We get cover so easily now that if you yeah. get to that two up save, you just live on it. You got a quite and lower AP across the board. I had literally an entire Last ultramarine. Ultra. Oh, an entire army failed to kill five Hearthguard in my game yesterday because they were just sat with cover and were just like, "What if we just rolled an unreasonable number of high <laughs> saves?" <laughs> Oh dear. So, that save is big. No. Tough, the, Toughness. The change in scale has definitely impacted things a lot, right? Like armies True. where there's a lot of 12 or a lot of 10 plus, that's a big deal in some matchups. Chris, Chris, we've got to remember not every army <laughs> has strength 18 shots that reroll both hits and both wounds. Yeah. This is, uh, this is some thing. armies some yeah. armies are peasants. Toughness means I, nothing I, I if you play well. elder. Completely. No, I'm thinking more <laughs> the amount of lethal hits, devastating wounds, anti blah blah, those sorts of things. Yeah, there's ways around it. There's so there's many ways around it. out there for your good units. Which I I actually think that toughness is a really big strat as long as you're not playing. Basically yeah, I, I think there's a few armies that get around it, but it does matter. It definitely does. But matter. but it's only T12. That's the only mm. one that matters. Yeah. Ultimate Funk Venture Damage, and I do think damage is a funny one in this edition because there's definitely less of it, but then suddenly you hit like damage 3, damage 4, damage 6, and you're like, oh my word, this is a You know what uh, Death Watch Thunderhammers are? They're oh, damage dear. 3. They're so baller. And they're strength they're so 10. Baller. I've been reading about a lot about Death Watch this week, and they're just, Why they're, are they they're just very good. They're just very, well, very they've, good. They've always been, they're heavy Thunderhammers. Heavy Thunderhammers. So it takes yeah. both your weapon slots, it's both hands. They used to be damage four instead of damage three, and then yeah. everything got squished down a little bit. Uh, but really, because they look cooler than you. Uh, yeah. that, <laughs> they that do. They've got, they've got a shoulder yes. pad from their days in the Salamanders, and they're badass. Also, oh, the, the frag cannon, heavy. my God, that's a gun. That is certainly a gun. Don't know what you're talking about. I don't, well, I couldn't possibly comment, but the frag cannon is a thing. It is, Although, 
I did get the cold sweats when they announced some of the um, units that are rotating out of Space Marines. Oh, but I've said too much. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, don't give it away yet. Ed. No. Right. That is us for tonight. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you all. Thanks for tuning in. Really nice to see you all here, and we hope we'll see you again soon. Um, we'll be back next week and we'll chat about something new. Obviously, Chris, Aaron, and I will have been at Tabletop Republic, so maybe we'll have.